everybody, and welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Avenue's Minor League Podcast. I am Steve Saipa, and I'm joined by Lucas, Ken, and Thomas this week. How's everyone doing? All right. Yeah, I can't complain. Not currently dying, so that's uh, that's that's good. Always oh, yeah. <laughs> Correct response. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe promote extend trade will make the world better. Um, back in 1806, on this date, Lewis and Clark um, they ended their expedition and they officially began their return to St. Louis, which is where the expedition officially started. So for Promote Extend Trade this week, I want to take a look at Mets players that started their careers here and then returned in, like, the twilight of their careers. And the Mets have been around for, like, 60 years, you know, 1962 till now. And surprisingly, there really haven't been too many cases like this, which kind of surprised me a little bit. There have been some players that returned and then kind of hung around again for a few seasons. Um, there was Jose Reyes, Jeremy Burnitz, Lee Mazzilli. But there were only a few cases of guys that kind of came back for just one more year and then, you know, were basically gone again. So for our first season, we have 2011 Jason Ingersenhausen. Yeah, Jason Ingersenhausen. I totally forgot about Jason Ingersenhausen mm-hmm. being on the Mets. That year, he posted a 4-10 ERA in 46 and two-thirds innings. He allowed 36 hits. He walked 24. He struck out 44. He notched seven saves. And he was worth negative 0.3 F4. Yep. Which is a little surprising. I mean, he wasn't really that bad on the surface, but he was still below replacement level. Crazy. I'm surprised that equals below replacement level. Mm Mm-hmm. Next up, we have 2003 David Cohn. He posted a 6.50 ERA in 18 innings. He allowed 20 hits. He walked 13 and struck out 13. And that's good for a negative 0.2 F4. So somehow that's more valuable than Isringhausen's 2011. Go figure. And last but certainly not least is 1983 Tom Seaver. He had a 3.55 ERA in 231 and one-thirds of an inning. He allowed 201 hits. He walked 86, and he struck out 135, which was good for positive 2.4 F4. That's actually a useful starter. Yeah, he was pretty good. Like mm-hmm. then, obviously. He was Almost like they shouldn't have traded him away in the first place or something. I mean, crazy idea that, but... <laughs> And because the Mets being the Mets, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the story, but he was only on the team for that one year in 1983. Because, thinking no one else would want him, they left him exposed to waivers, and he was selected. So he could have been on the team for another couple of years. I believe he officially retired in 86. So he probably could have ended his career with the Mets, but in a typical Mets move, they Metsed. I mean... he didn't. Two wins is like two and a half wins is useful third starter territory, and they just said nah waivers. Yeah, that that's pretty. I'm trying to think of a parallel. Uh, someone come someone come up with a good modern day parallel for that, or I'll just Google. Hold on, like 
I don't know, it's just like leaving a $20 bill on the stoop and then <laughs> walking away. <laughs> the Will Pond way. While, while yelling at someone about uh, dropping a penny on the ground somewhere else, you know? Right, right, right. Two it's also half. amazing that they traded him in the way that they did. They get well, him that's, back. Yeah. And then they're like, nah, let's put him on waivers. Like, you would think that you would learn from that mistake and be like, actually, let's see, let's let him finish his career here because he deserves to. But no. Two guys in the range of two and a half wins last year by fan drafts. Uh, you Darvish, Miles Nicholas, Anibal Sanchez randomly, cause he was oddly good last year. Uh, Anthony DiSclavani, Robbie Ray, Sandy Alcantara. So maybe more like third or fourth starter, but that's a useful player. Not someone you put on waivers. <laughs> No, I mean, you can justify it a bit by looking at, you know, the mid-80s Mets rotation, and it was stacked, but still, he is Tom Seaver, you know, he he is Mets royalty. Yeah. You, you just protect him on waivers, it should go without saying. It's not like they're, it's not like you, they need to give him a huge contract extension or anything. No. So I think it goes without saying, since he's the only one that actually had any positive value, that Seaver is the one that we are all going to extend. Yes. Yeah. Also, now he it comes was to... on the 1986 Red Sox, which I didn't know. Which is pretty yes. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. He, he was, on he the was in the Sox dugout. He got traded to the Red Sox, I think. Apparently, I that. the Mets wanted to trade for him again, and Davey Johnson said no. This is according to Wikipedia. I do not know how true this is. But I can believe that. Uh, I'm going to be totally honest. I already forgot the third person. Isringhausen, Seaver, and who is the other? Which means I guess I'm uh, promoting Isringhausen and trading whoever the other schmuck was. That makes makes it easier. It's David Cohn. Oh, right, right, right. He threw no hitter for the Yankees. Screw that guy. <laughs> if you want to be technical, he didn't, unlike these other guys, start his career with the Mets. He did throw like 20 innings or something like that for the Royals. But he did retain his rookie status and he kind of officially burst on the scene when he was traded to the Mets. So that's why I gave him, you know the option of being here unlike some other guys. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. Didn't he wasn't he like teaching everyone some weird split finger stuff or am I misremembering that when he came back? I don't remember. It's a long time ago. I don't really recall. I barely even remember him being back in two in what was it, two thousand three? Yeah. I remember it was kind of a big deal at the time, but obviously, you know, that that he was, I don't want to call him a Mets legend because that's kind of maybe putting him in territory he doesn't necessarily belong, but he was a Mets guy. So him coming back was kind of a big deal at the time, but the fact that he was so bad kind of put a poo-poo on that real quickly. Yeah. I don't know. It's tough because even though... Cone technically was the more valuable player. It feels like Isringhausen contributed more. Right. And, like, even just the, the the war and the numbers don't seem to add up there for me. Like, yeah. 
Like that I mean, doesn't it's, scream. It's, rele- it's reliever war. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like that doesn't scream negative reliever asset. It's not like a great one, but like it's a usable dude, which is out of a bullpen. That's fine. Pretty sure he was like the best reliever that the Mets had that year. So yes, because I remember very that. low bar the 2011 I mean, yeah. Mets. <laughs> I actually remember him being back, and I was like, oh, he's not bad for how old he was at the time and all that. It's kind of crazy to think that's almost 10 years ago at this point. Like, makes me feel old. Right. Mm-hmm. Time marches inexorably forward. Eat Arby's. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, so. None of us are David Cohn fans, apparently. Just, just not a fan of that guy. <laughs> Anyone who right. like leaves the Yankees, goes to the Yankees and does something really good, just just unacceptable. So you're not a Doc Gooden fan because yeah, I'm too young. I'm too young to care about Doc Gooden. It's okay. <laughs> I'm safe. What about uh, Al Leiter? Fuck. I mean, again, I'm still too young for that, but but you're right. It's just a disturbing number of former Mets who went to the Yankees and were. Better. I feel like Outlider is a Met more than anything else, though. Same with, yeah. like, yeah. Cone has the more. I think he's play. I think he pitched more games for the Mets or had more innings or something like that. But he kind of feels like a Yankee. Like when you think of David Cone, you don't think of the Mets. Yeah. But at least for me, when I think of Outlider, even though he was he would he went he played for the Yankees, I think of him as a Mets player. Definitely agree. Definitely agree. And I think he works for the Mets again. I think yeah, they, we we were talking about this because we thought they might uh, draft Jack or yeah, whatever yep, his name yep. was. And then they did. <laughs> We've already forgotten about him. <laughs> He's not back on draft radars uh, for two more seasons, so we, we don't have to think about him. <laughs> All right, so moving on now. Um, obviously, stuff is going on outside, and it's had a major effect on baseball because spring training was canceled. And the start of the major league season has been postponed until whenever. And the minor league season is, is postponed too as a result. And then spring training facilities were closed and players were sent home. And for minor league players, this is definitely, um, had a pretty big impact. Although it's not really affecting the bottom line too much because they don't get paid for spring training to begin with. Um, they get a stipend for food. And thankfully, all 30 teams are giving their minor leaguers uh, a base of about $60 a day minimum, which comes out to about $400 a week. And I can't say for certain if the Mets were one of the first teams to get the ball rolling with that. Um, but... You know, they were one of the first teams to be reported to be doing that. And a couple of players that I've spoken to on the side, they've mentioned that the Mets are being fair and taking care of them. So for once, it seems like the Mets are on the right side of things, which is a nice change. Totally shocked. Yeah. Ironic. Shocked. I expected the Mets to be um, well behind everyone else or being doing stuff when they were forced to rather than yep. actually being proactive about it. So good for them. I expected them to do something like get a big pallet of money and then 
just not allow any of the minor leaguers to use it. <laughs> just look at it. They can look yeah. at it for a day and remind them what they're striving for, right? <laughs> Hear me out. You put every minor leaguer in a big tube, and then you put the money in it, and whatever they grab is the <laughs> They and would there's... almost definitely end up making more money from the money. <laughs> SNY probably needs some programming right now, so we should probably... What's the terrible SMY show that everyone in pizza Prospects. loves? Yeah, oh Prospects. god. How dare you? Prospects <laughs> is quality entertainment. It, it, it really isn't, folks. Don't, don't. <laughs> don't watch Prospects. Well, the, uh, spring training stipends that everyone's getting, it's supposed to last until April 8th, which is when the season is supposed to start. So who knows what's going to be happening past that. Um, but, you know, for a lot of us, I guess the same can be said for everybody, I guess. No one really knows what's going to be going on in a in a week or two or three. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we, we, we've spoken about this a few times earlier. But, you know, Major League Baseball could use some good PR. I mean, I think we've all kind of forgotten about the Astro stuff, given what's going on. But if these teams continue to pledge to pay their their minor league players, that's going to score them a lot of PR points. And it's not going to cost them much if they keep shelling out these amounts of money, about $400 a week. They could even double that, triple that, quadruple that, and it's still going to be a pittance, you know. Individual owners and, and ownership groups are worth billions, including the Marlins. And Major League Baseball as a whole, you know, is bringing in billions of dollars in, in profits. Steve, I'm sorry. Uh, the Royals ran a deficit when they were contending those couple of years. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, of They're course. They're tied, tied for money. I know. It's it's well, it's like the Hobby Lobby people, people said, those those millionaires. We need to tighten up. Oh yeah. Tighten our belts. Yeah. Don't worry. Don't worry. His wife had a vision from God. It's all okay. Mm. So yeah, I mean, it seems like an easy PR win, and I don't know why they're always so hesitant about you know doing things like this. Sometimes you lose the battle but win the war. Wow, you have to pay some of these players a little bit more. Yeah. But it's going to be worth it in in the long run. And the worst yeah. is that sometimes they wait so long that even the good PR gets ruined because they look bad in doing it. So, like, looks like they get guilt tripped into doing it exactly. rather than actually like, right, exactly. doing it sincerely. But hey, they did it right. They did something right this time. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's still four hundred dollars a week, which is not enough for an adult to survive if he's living on his own. Or a family. And that's why you still have outreach groups that are really on the forefront of things right now, helping players, you know, with their expenses and, and rent and all, all that kind of stuff that's, uh, do. But, you know, it's, something is better than nothing, I guess. So if $400 is it for now, it's still better than not having $400. So what happens with, like, international free agent kids? Because everyone has to leave spring training, right? Like, no one's on the in the facilities anymore. So And they can't go back to their 
home country, I'm assuming, like because travel has been greatly reduced. So where are they? Like that's what I was thinking about. Mm. You know, yeah, like should they... we um, should we like look on Instagram to see where Ron <laughs> like, is hanging out right now? Yeah, like like do they just go to like someone's like like are they just shacking up with a bunch of minor leaguers, which is probably not very safe right now. But you got to yeah. do what you got to do. Like um, I don't know. The official statement that Major League Baseball put out said that this $400 a week stipend is not applicable to players that are, among other things, actively um, a part of other food, housing, or et cetera programs. So that might be a case where, you know, some of these international players might be getting helped otherwise by the club in terms of housing but yeah i don't know i would assume though that they're all it just left to the sharks and it's up to everybody to figure out their own thing and those players are staying with friends or family if if they're here that's that's a little concerning honestly yeah because there was no plan of like to to like quarantine them in the ho in a hotel or something there was nothing like that like because the Yankees had to do that, but that's because I think two players tested positive. So. Yeah, we never found out who, but you know, a couple of people. I mean, the other the other crummy thing is you have to imagine they don't exactly have the best information on the matter unless the clubs have done significant work in informing them, right? Because they're living in a country that doesn't sp- probably doesn't speak their primary language. Who yeah, knows what le- what level of like actual education they've had on this matter like do they know what a virus is stuff like that so like rudy gobert's been here a lot lot longer and he clearly had like a real miss like he obviously was kind of being a douche about it but he also clearly didn't understand the gravity of the situation so i wonder how people that are even younger and have spent less time here and perhaps are even less educated uh like what what if they're uh taking the necessary precautions and if not i hope uh, their parent organizations are trying to make sure everyone's on the same page with the best way to handle this. No, oh, yeah. And Gobert said it himself. He was like, I didn't really take it serious. And it's just like, well, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, bud. <laughs> and, like, in his defense, there's just a massive amount of misinformation out there, right? So. Oh, yeah, sure. Without getting all political about it, so... Like, I, you could very easily understand how someone young and impressionable might be misled about what's happening. For sure. All very good points. All right, well, um, given that a lot of people are just blanket quarantined or are under orders to stay at home or whatever the case may be, uh, what a better time for a new video game to come out than, than this. Hey, I, I enjoy Doom Eternal a lot too, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, uh, MLB The Show 20 came out this week, and it was marketed not completely, but, you know, the minor league portion of it was marketed heavily. And so I guess uh, for the remainder of this episode, we will talk about that a little bit. And I have to say that I'm kind of disappointed with that. 
Interesting. Why? Um, I I can appreciate that for the AAA and AA teams, the Syracuse Mets and the Binghamton Rumble Ponies, the rosters are accurate, and that the character models actually do look like the characters, the players. Yeah, Tim Tebow really looks like himself. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I should say, let me rephrase this. The rosters are somewhat accurate, and the, the models do look like the players, but I find it's kind of all over the place um, in terms of um, valuing valuing these players. Yeah, I agree with that. And because it only goes to you know it only goes triple A, double A, single A, they kind of took some liberties with you know placing players. Um, you know Matthew Allen was put on in on the Binghamton roster. And I Damn. think if, yeah, I, I didn't even if, realize he was in it. Yeah, if Matthew Allen was an 18 year old in Binghamton, I think that would be a very different um, farm team that we would have. Same thing <clears> with <throat> Brett Beatty; he's also on Binghamton. I guess they just stick like Aaron what? Um, like where in the the top hundred prospects in baseball would Matt Allen be if he were an 18 year old in Bingo? High. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Three. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Uh, uh, yeah, well, let's actually... Hey, here, BP Top 101. I don't know why I don't have this bookmarked. I really should, because I feel like I pull it up every day. Wander Franco, Joe Adele, Gavin Lux, Rutschman, and then Gore, so he's probably behind all of them. Behind Robert, Kalanick May, Zardo Rodriguez. He's, like, in the teens. Yeah, that's fair. Luis Patino range, probably. Uh, like, that'd be nuts. Beatty would probably be a top 40 prospect. He'd definitely be above Gorman. Yeah? Yeah. 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 That's also one thing that I noticed. When I just went into, like, the default roster and went to uh top prospects, Beatty was, like, the 14th top prospect in all of baseball, which made me go, huh? Oh, yeah, that stuff's always goofy, though. Yeah. It's more or less because all of these have a, a bias towards draft guys. Mm-hmm. And first-round draft guys because... Particularly, yes. Yeah. Especially with baseball's, like, effort to make the draft more of an event like football does. Which just makes no sense, but... You know, so here, here's the list of Mets prospects, um... First off, and the highest rated out of everybody, Tim is, Tebow, right? Oh, it should be. Is David Peterson, who is given an A rating and an overall of seventy-two. Whoa. He is now, also the prospect that, in a different mode called Diamond Dynasty, like you kind of build cards like an Ultimate Team type thing, and he's the main Mets prospect in it, and he gets like an eighty-one overall. And I was kind of surprised at that choice. So they really like him, apparently. Uh, the 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 men and women at a uh, Sony San Diego. Now again, if their version of the Mets farm system was was reality, I'd be all for <laughs> it here. Um, next up is Andres Jimenez, who has a B and is an overall sixty-five rating. 
Then is Matthew Allen, who's also a B and has an overall 64. There's a bunch of 63s. There's Brett Beatty, who is an A rating and a 63. Kevin Smith, who has a D rating and a 63. And Ali Sanchez, who is also a D rating. How does the how do the so, ratings um, and the, the rating potential. is like yeah, so that that's uh, like all of your blue chip prospects are gonna be A's or B's. Your org guys are gonna be like C's and D's. Yeah. For, forgive the uh PC master race person who has no <laughs> idea what's going on here. Not so smart with your PC now, are you? <laughs> <laughs> You think you're pretty smart there, don't you, Trebek? With your glow-up LED computer and your greasy hair. <laughs> Very deep celebrity Jeopardy cut there that, like, two listeners will get. Listen, if you can't appreciate celebrity Jeopardy, then I don't know what you can appreciate. This, is, this isn't the podcast for you, then. <laughs> I would like to be referred to as Turd Ferguson for um, <laughs> the remainder of our time here. Do you have an oversized hat? I'm currently wearing an oversized spring training hat, yes. Excellent. No, it isn't. <laughs> um, who's next? We have a bunch of 62s. There's Ronnie Mauricio, who has an A rating, and it's a 62. Frank Kilame, who has a C rating. Shervian Newton, who has a B rating. And what? Thomas Zipucky, who has a B rating. Next up is a 58 overall. And that is the D-rated Riley Gilliam. Oh, no. <laughs> Poor guy. Next up is the overall rating of 56, and that goes to the D, Tim Tebow. Then there's overall 55, C-rated Quinn Brody. Overall 55, B-rated Steven Gonsalves. And overall 54, rated C, Tony Dubrow. So I feel bad for those guys that got uh, an overall rating lower than Tim Tebow. <laughs> couple of guys surprised me. Um, these are kind of, you know, organizational guys. The one that surprised me most, though, is Jacob Zanin. He had a 64 overall and a B rating, which puts him on par with Matthew Allen. What? Sure. What? <laughs> Sure. <laughs> Did we even have him on like a thirty list? No. No. Of course not. <laughs> no, no offense to Jacob Zanin or any of his family members that may be listening. We don't want feuds again. But he is uh you know, he's he's not a Matthew Allen. That's bizarre. I I always wondered the evaluation that they do, like who's doing it and how they're doing it. Like, I was, I'm was, i always curious about that. Like, where where they're getting it from. Are they doing it themselves? Are they outsourcing Keith that? Law. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh. That was uncalled for. I was. I would assume that they just use the, the basic, you know, MLB yeah, right. rankings, but... I would assume so, too. I was always curious. Uh, Michael Piaz is another guy. He's an overall 66 and a C rating. Seems a little generous to me. He's the uh, North Carolina State star that they drafted, right? No, uh, he was on the Coastal, Coastal Carolina, Carolina. Coastal Carolina. That, that won the, the yeah, 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 that, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just didn't remember which Carolina school it was. 
that'll get you killed in some places, my oh, friend. Oh, don't tell my friend I said that. She might actually <laughs> my head off. And um, Jeremy Vasquez is another guy. He was an overall 59 and a C rating, which, when you consider it's better than a Riley Gilliam or Steven Gonzalez or Tony DeBrell, is kind of odd, given the fact that Vasquez is a powerless first baseman. So, go figure. Something tells me uh, these are not... Major League quality scouting reports. Just a hunch. <laughs> probably. Might be out, of the, out of the park baseball is probably more accurate for that. Like, yes, yes. They do a pre- I feel like, I always feel like they do a pretty good job of understanding who, which prospects could be good or might actually go to be good. I always felt like they did a good job there. Or these scouting reports actually might be coming from the Mets, so there's that too. <laughs> that explains it. I mean, it's not like the Mets pump up their prospects to anyone who will listen or anything. Never. Scandalous. <laughs> but yeah, so in terms of that, it's been a little bit of a disappointment with the game. Um, overall, I think it is fun. I suck at it though, so I mean, that's not fun, but I was enjoying uh, Mark Craig and uh, Wayne going back and forth at each other on Twitter over it. That was entertaining. Apparently, apparently Wayne plays on easy or whatever. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I play as easy as I can, and I'm still pretty bad at it. Which sucks, because I kind of hit a wall, and I can't really do much until... I get better cards, and I can't get better cards until I win some more, like, games, so. Have you tried Road to the Show yet? I have not. Road to the Show. I would recommend trying that, especially if you're trying to, um, you know, get your feet wet and figure it out. It's like you play as a minor leaguer and try to work your way up to the big leagues. So. Right, right. You get drafted by the Orioles all the time. Pretty much. (laughs) Do we know, um, so Thomas, you have it, right? Mm-hmm. Do you know if in Road to the Show you can choose your team? Because they have years um, where uh, they I don't. I think you can. You. Okay. Fun fact, it's actually, I never shut my PlayStation off before we started recording, so I'll check right now. Huh. That's dedicated. Fun fact, I'm playing it right now. <laughs> huh. Okay. I'm doing a home run derby with Pete Alonso at the Polo Grounds, trying to hit one out to the, uh, the clubhouse. You could check. You, you could put your um, region as at sea if you want to, from where you're nice. from, where you're born. So, all right, let me just get through this really quick. I'm pretty sure you can in this game, though. It's uh, pick your team um, because that, that they took be... that because they took that out a few years ago when people were mad because they were <laughs> like, I don't want to get drafted by the. Orioles and Tigers again and again and again because it's yeah I'd end up going to JUCO like three times because I don't (laughs) want to play for the Marlins because yeah exactly because oh yes you you can choose your team in this one so exactly it it, that's the that's the annoying part because you're usually good like you're usually a pretty good prospect so you get taken at the top end of each round and then 
you get drafted by the bad teams, and you'd have to be bad not to get drafted by those teams, and then you're worse. It's a it's a whole thing. Well, for anyone out there listening, do you have any more comments, tips, anything about the game before we go? Um, I would say my favorite um, way to get better is play on dynamic difficulty because it scales to what you're doing. So it'll start you off on rookie and then it'll like the more you hit it'll bump you up to veteran and then bump you up and then bump you up and then if you're if you end up getting to the next uh, difficulty and you're bad it'll bump you back down. So it's a good way to like slowly get better at different um, that is nice. Yeah, and it is it is nice because, I mean, it's hard. Like, hitting is legitimately hard, and there's a big learning curve in it. So when you get bumped up to, like, I, the top one, one of the top ones is, like, Hall of Fame is a, is a hard difficulty. Then, like, if you're getting blown away in Hall of Fame, it'll just bump you back down to All-Star because it'll be like you're not ready yet for it yet. So it's, it's a good way to, like, not overwhelm someone by just being like, nah, I'm going to play on Hall of Fame, and then you go over for, like, 40. Then you look like an actual schmuck who's exactly. in the major leagues. <laughs> exactly. What would actually happen if a major league team let the average Joe get some plate appearances? I'm surprised no team has ever done that, where it's like, here, promotional event, you pay like 50 bucks and we'll have some random pitcher throw you five five pitches, and you can stand <laughs> in the box. I feel like you're asking for someone to get dangerously, yeah, yeah. dangerously hurt. <laughs> Yeah, they sign a waiver at the start. It's fine. It's all fine. Uh, the dude gets beans by accident by Jacob DeGrom, and he breaks his arm or whatever. <laughs> and he dies. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I feel vaguely like Bill Vec did do something like that with Eddie Goodell. That seems it was, like something Bill Vec would do. It was premeditated. It wasn't like an on the spur thing, like, oh shit, we don't have another player, like, let's just sign this guy to the crowd. But it was kind of like a, a one day gimmick contract for someone that obviously was not a baseball player. And I think that that's banned now as a result. I don't know for sure though, but. It, it'd be hysterical. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's kind of funny because this is a phenomenon and I'm not a hockey fan or a hockey expert, so hockey fans please don't yell at me if i get this wrong but i know a lot of the times the like third string goalies are like just normal oh, yeah. dudes who you put on some pads and get in a, and get in goal teams have, have like designated third goalies who are like a dude who played d3 somewhere yeah whatever. yeah yeah and like didn't that recently yeah he become won a big news story a guy on the um, he was the third goalie for the Leafs and the Hurricanes game because he's the Zamboni driver for the Leafs, I believe. <laughs> and both Hurricanes goalies got hurt, and then he came in and he won. Like he won the game. Like they, the Canes ended up winning, and he got the win. So like, <laughs> that's incredible. So like, they were like selling uh, shirtsies with his name on the back. The Hurricanes were, and it was going to like charity and stuff. Like it was, it was this whole thing, but. It's incredible that, like, the NHL is like, no, we won't let you have three goalies on the roster. You, you have to have a random person as the So I think that's very, like, dumb of the NHL to, to have that rule. But I also think that the fact that it allows something so weird 
to happen <laughs> is a net positive. <laughs> and like they had the GMs, they, the, the GM meetings are during the season. So like they had them recently and they were like, when they brought up, if they're going to change that rule, everyone said no. Like they're going to keep the rule that you have to have a, like a, a level, a goalie at this level be your, be your third goalie. It's so funny. I love it. Like, could you imagine being that dude? You have to like, both goalies get hurt and they're running to you to be like, hello, please sign this one day contract and go face NHL players in a hockey game. Put down your beer. Dude. Like, here's my question. What do you do after this? Where do you go from here? Like, that, that's gotta be your peak right there. You go back to teaching gym or whatever it is that you do. (laughs) Driving the Zamboni? (laughs) Oh, what was his name? I think it was Ayers, yeah. Alright, let's see what he's been up to if it's on Twitter. Point is, uh, MLB teams let, let random schmucks, uh, face (laughs) actual pitching. I would say that that's what third catchers should be, but I feel like that's asking for trouble. Yeah, catching is very scary. Yeah, I mean, I caught at a travel baseball level and sometimes it was scary, so I couldn't Mm -hmm. imagine, like, oh, let me catch this Noah Syndergaard sinker. (laughs) You know what I when I was when I was younger, you know, maybe ten years ago or so, uh, me, my brother, my cousins, a couple of people that you know they were friends with, we just all kind of every Wednesday, whenever it was, we went to Prospect Park and we just kind of play like a pickup game of softball. And just some random kid that was just there was just like, "Hey, could I play?" So we're like, "Yeah, sure." We had enough people that usually we didn't have catchers. But we had enough people now we could have, you know, all positions filled, and I suck, so I was the catcher because I suck. And this kid that no one knows, we didn't, I don't remember his name, I don't, you know, whatever, he just starts throwing fucking seeds. I'm just like, what the f- <laughs> <laughs> We don't have, like, we don't have, like, equipment because we're just very casual. And I'm oh, like, yeah. oh, I'm like, I'm afraid to catch the ball now. See, at least but in yeah. ho- hockey, you're wearing so much padding, it just kind of doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, like, it still hurts when you get hit in the knee if you miss the ball or whatever, like with catching equipment. The knee was not the area I was thinking of. Yeah. Well, I mean, I got <laughs> the hit there area in the you were once, thinking too. of is fairly easy to protect. <laughs> I got hit there once, too. I've gotten, since we're going this direction now, I've taken, like, 80-mile-an-hour lacrosse shots off that area, which, uh, not the best not recommend. Uh, I'll all. give Lucas an oh no. It <laughs> <laughs> wasn't a happy camper. I'll put it that way. But yeah, catching is scary. Mm-hmm. I had a, I have a similar story like that where I was playing in a travel league over the summer. I think I was out in Fort Tilden. If you're from New York, you would know where that is. But yeah, yeah. Um, it was this kid that I never played with before and I was catching and he was pitching. And like, he threw hard. Like, hard, hard. I don't know what it was, like, officially, but he threw hard. And he threw an inside fastball, and I caught it, like, directly in the webbing, and my glove came off. Like, like it hit the webbing, and the glove just came off with it. And I was just looking at the glove, and I was like, oh, dear. <laughs> and I'm like, this is, like, the, the third pitch of the game. And I was like, oh, boy, i got to figure this out quick. Yeah, that's not supposed to do that. No, like, it was. I guess I was, like, kind of <laughs> loose. I guess I was kind of, like, not holding it as, like, I, it was kind of off on my wrist or whatever. But it hit the webbing. It just came right off. And I was like, oh, boy. This is going to be a long one. <laughs> Subpar framing skills. Yeah. It it wasn't great. 
that was a scary day. <laughs> In case it's not obvious to you viewers, we are uh, strapped for content right now. <laughs> <laughs> it well, is yeah. a struggle. <laughs> If, you know, nothing, nothing changes in the next couple of weeks and probably nothing is going to, whether, I don't know, we'll figure something out, but obviously anybody that's listening, if you have any ideas, any things that you want to hear about, anything you want to know, whatever, you know, you could send us, uh, emails and ideas at our email address from complex2queens at gmail.com. And, you know, we're all pretty active on Twitter. You can tweet us, you know, any ideas. Uh, I am at Steve Saipa. Lucas is at Elvlahos343. Ken is at KenLavin91. Thomas is at SadMetSeason, S-E-N, on Amazing Avenue itself. You know, write us in the comments anything you'd like to hear about, anything you'd like us to talk about, whatever. Um, but, yeah, so... You could subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from if you already haven't done so, and rate and review them, please. And of course, thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. Uh, don't know what we'll be talking about, but it'll be something relevant. And until then, love the Mets, love the Mets. <laughs>